When you find yourself needing a roof repair and are looking for a roofing company, American Shield Roofing and Construction is happy to meet your needs. When dealing with a roofing company, you need a roof contractor who is dependable, who can arrive on time, and provide you a quality new roof in a timely manner. Our goal is to present you with honest, accurate information, quotes, and estimates. Call us at 361-343-7018 or visit visit us at AmericanShieldRoofing.com. Proud title sponsor of the 2021-2022 Victoria Advocate Varsity Cup Awards. This is episode 12 of The Grid. I'm your host, Sam Fowler, the assistant sports editor at the Victoria Advocate, joined as always by sports editor Mike Foreman and sports reporter Jeremiah Sosa. Uh, Well, the playoffs are certainly an exciting time, and there's a lot of excitement in the build-up to the games, but... Not so much this week. The lead story heading into this week is Victoria West senior reserve offensive lineman Diego Martinez was killed in a single vehicle crash on Monday at 5.45 p.m. on North Main Street in Victoria. Martinez was avid in band and, and his impact was felt throughout the locker room with the Warriors talking to head coach Courtney Boyce on Tuesday after delivering the the tragic news to his team and then being there to console each other Tuesday morning, you know, you, you could tell how hard Coach Boyce and, and the Warriors were taking it, not only them, but the entire school. On Tuesday, Victoria West Volleyball, they played in the regional quarterfinal against Sherryland. They all wore blue ribbons for Martinez on their shoes and they were they were shaken up they were they were struggling to deal with that i mean especially just 24 hours after after that and now victoria west is going to open the playoffs this week against san antonio southwest on the road a tragic story coming out uh breaking on monday i mean i was i was there right before practice and you know, you could feel the excitement of the playoffs. This is a team that wants to that uh, going into Monday, they were excited because they feel like they've got a chance to erase last year's first round loss to McCallum Memorial, and then and then this happens, and it's it's a total one eighty. I've been, I, I I mean, I think all of us have had to experience death in various capacities throughout our life but you know as from my time and and my experience Mike it's it's a lot tougher when it's a team dynamic it's whenever I was a senior in high school we had a teammate die right before graduation that was really tough to go through in college we had a teammate who was killed just a week before we opened up fall practices ahead of my junior year and trying to trying to wrap your heads around the death of a teammate while also still going out and trying to do a job on the football field is is very tough i mean i th- i think i understand and i think everybody understands how tough this is going to be, but Mike, do you have any sort of uh, anything to to kind of 
say how tough this is, how tough it is this week for the Warriors going through practice after this news. This is horrible. There's no other way to put it. I mean, uh, you know, to have a teammate die on you at this particular time or any time is difficult. Um, all you can hope for is, and what you hope for is that the players will lean on each other for support and help. Um, I remember the instance uh, a few years back in Edna when uh, one of their players died in a fire right before the playoffs. And uh, that seemed to bring the, the team and the community together. And uh, actually, Edna put together a run where they went to the state semifinals that year. Uh, it's just, it's something that, you know, it, it's, it's unexplainable because, uh, you know, this is something, you know, like you said, I mean, here we are Monday, they're, you know, first practice before the playoffs, they're excited, ready to go. And then boom, I'm sure either that night or the next morning, they're hit with the news that someone's gone. I mean, and every time they walk in that locker room, they're going to see that locker and know what happened. They, you know, it's right there in front of them. Um, you know, the, I'm sure the coaching staff, uh, the counselors at school will do their best. But uh, this is something that, um, you know, you know, unfortunately, they're learning at too young of age that death is part of life. And uh, this is something they have to deal with it. And you just hope that they can compartmentalize it to where they can take it with them. There's no doubt that this is on their minds, and this is way more important than this game. You know, come on. But hopefully all you can hope for is that they can uh, take this as maybe a little bit of inspiration. You know, because think about it, you know, you know, that last week, who would ever thought that someone had played their last football game? You know, no, that thought probably never even crossed their mind. They knew they were going to the playoffs. And, and now, all of a sudden, I think they realize that how special this is, what they're doing, and that you cannot take anything for granted. And, uh, you know, e either way, it, it's going to be a burden. And, you know, we'll just have to see... Uh, how how they how they deal with it yeah that's that's certainly kind of it's kind of a cliche especially when you get to the seniors you know they you're always told hey man this could be this could be your last this could be your last nap and normally it's referring to you know maybe maybe god forbid an injury or maybe it is uh a senior who will not who unfortunately will not get to go on and play at the collegiate level you know it, so it's 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 kind of tongue in cheek, but you know life certainly reminds you that uh, that you can't take it for granted. And I'll give head coach Courtney Boyce all the credit. I mean, talking to him and he he's certainly had to do a number of interviews and talking to all the players, talking to to the family. I mean, the he he stayed composed when when we had to do the interview on Tuesday and he's, he's trying to do everything possible to make sure that the players stay together. And like you said, they rally together and 
go out and focus on the on the task at hand, which I I remember in 2014 when we went out and we played our first game after after our teammate's death and it was it was emotionally charged and that was that was about a month removed from his death. So trying to do that four days after I can only imagine the emotions going through that. We're going to take a break real quick. We're going to hear a message from White Trash Services, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about volleyball. We have a few teams going to the regional tournament, and then we'll get into recaps from the final week of the football season last week and preview the by-district round of playoffs after this message from White Trash Services. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ... White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 350-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. Welcome back into episode 12 of The Grid. Jeremiah, you and I have been busy this week covering volleyball we we had each of us had a game on to on monday and then we were back at it on tuesday as well let's start with monday we had two or we had three area 3a teams vying for two spots in the regional tournament we're going to start with your game yokum industrial district foes meeting for a, a at least a third time this season they i think they've met one uh May have been four with the with the tournament, but they've they know each other well, and well, the Lady Dogs come out on top. First time since two thousand seven that Yokum is going to make it to the regional tournament at Littleton Gym at Blossom Athletic Center in San Antonio after beating Industrial Jeremiah. What it take for the Lady Dogs to get past the Cobras? I mean, that's a team that. Knocked off Poth in five sets, and anyone who knows volleyball knows how good Poth is historically. You know, beating Industrial to get to the regional cha- uh, regional tournament had to take a lot. What the Lady Dogs do right? Yeah, well, from from you know right out of the gate, um, you know, uh, Yoakum setter uh, Macy Blakeney she was setting up Jayana uh, Phillips and kind of getting her going within the first set, and I feel like that momentum kind of carried throughout the throughout the entire uh, match, but. Um, you know, industrial made some, some adjustments, uh, during the second and third set. Um, they got one of those, um, and, and then, you know, back, back in the fourth set, um, you know, Jayana Phillips started going again, her, uh, Destiny Rios, 
Um, so, so really, I think, you know, Blake and she had 45 assists. So um, it, it was pretty much a, a good performance from, you know, the outside hitters and, you know, they're blocking as well. But, you know, you look at Industrial you know, coming off that uh, five set win over Poth, um, you know, obviously had had some high expectations for that game. But, um, you know, Industrial head coach uh, Collins, she she wasn't very, uh, you know, impressed with the play from her team. So she thought they could have played better. But, you know, it, it was a it was a good Yokum team that they went against, you know, you know, uh, you know, no matter how good you play, you know, Yokum is, is a great team. And, you know, obviously they're going to move on to to the uh, regional tournament in San Antonio, like Sam was saying. But uh, but yeah, it was, it was a it was a great game by Yokum and, you know, uh, good for good for the city of Yokum to, you know, move on to to the uh, regional tournament. Yeah, head coach Kayla Natho, she's had that team dial in, it seems, all year. They they haven't really missed a beat and and they're reaping the reward right now. Well, on the other side of the 3A bracket, Goliath went down to Sinton to face Banchetti on Monday. Goliath comes out with the sweep of well, it was the it was the Lady Bulldogs as well. So we we've got some bold we got plenty of bulldogs in this show right now. So but Goliad, they trailed in the second set, 12-6, before senior Avianta, their their top one of their their best middle blocker and their only senior, stepped up. She delivered seven kills in the second set, and the Tigerettes rallied from that deficit and they were able to win the second set and they were able to then take the complete the sweep. In the very next set, they're going to their eighth straight regional tournament and their ninth in the last 10 years. Goliad is a machine that just keeps on moving. It doesn't matter who's there. And head coach Jess Odom just knows how to get that team going and rolling and rolling and rolling. But the other side, that sets up a meeting with Columbus, a rematch of last year's regional final, which still sits with a sour taste in Goliad's mouth because the Tigerettes were up 14-13 in the fifth set of that match with a chance to go to Garland in the state tournament last year before committing three straight errors to fall 16-14. to And that's that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna sit there for a while and that's gonna that's gonna ferment and they're going to get their opportunity. It's a round sooner in the regional semifinals, and they know Columbus well. They know the Alley Tribe. Their hitter is going to be there. Jeremiah, you've seen Tribe in a game this year uh, for for Columbus when they played St. Joseph. We've we've seen her a few times in in and around our coverage area. This is going to be good. Also for Yoakum, they're playing uh, Corpus Christi, London. In the regional semifinal, that's 5 p.m. Columbus Goliad primetime, 7 p.m. at Littleton Gym at Blossom Athletic Center. That's going to be a good one. And it could set up an all-area regional final on Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Who knows? We'll we'll see how those games play out. But plenty of good, good volleyball action overall. Also, shout-out to the Schulenberg Lady Horns. They knocked off Skidmore Tynan, who's been top five all year 
and they're going to the re- the Class 2A Regional Tournament in Brenham this weekend. They got a 5 o'clock game. Hey, Schulenberg, you've, Jeremiah, you've seen them. They're really good. They they were able to – they won that district, right? Yeah. Yeah, they won, they won, they won their district. They, they beat Shiner for that. And so that's – that's going to be good. Uh, then on Tuesday, a uh, little bit of a reversal of fortune for area teams. Uh, Victoria West, they they went down and they played Sherryland Pioneer. A 40 win, or not Sherryland Pioneer, Sherryland. Uh, Sherryland's won 40 games this season. The Rattlers just look really good. And going into the match, West knew they were going to have to play their best game because Sherryland's defense is... Ooh, they are really good on defense. I mean, anytime their blockers were unable to land a block, their back row's right there behind behind the blockers, backing them up. They're back there backing up the hitters as well, and that showed West Falls in three sets to Sherilyn Pioneer. Carolyn Cohen, she was held to four or five kills in that match. Uh, sophomore... Hannah Lace led the team with nine kills, and uh, West was only able to manage two blocks, and Sherilyn was able to land five. So that's that's all you need to know about that one. I mean, they just could not find a way past Sherilyn's defense, and the Rattlers will move on to face Liberty Hill in the regional semifinal, while West falls to twenty-eight and ten to end the season but it was a good year for head coach alicia hill the warriors have not missed the playoffs since they've opened their doors and that streak continues for another year 13 straight then jeremiah you got to see a really good one and it feels like these two teams had been on a collision course all year calhoun and pleasanton on tuesday night in goliad but unfortunately pleasanton especially what uh you know, I covered Pleasanton before I came here, and outside hitter Sadie Makeda, who's a Southern Miss, uh, she signed today to Southern Miss, is just phenomenal. She she surpassed 2,000 kills with 21 in that match. How tough was it for Calhoun to go up against a hitter like that? Yeah, I mean, it was very tough. You know, in, in that first set, you know, Calhoun uh, ended up winning that set, and, you know, uh, Sadie, she hadn't got going yet, so... You know, the uh, the Sandys were able to get that set. But then in the second and third set, you could tell uh, she was starting to heat up. And then, like Sam said, like, over 20 kills in the game, uh, about five of them in that fourth and final set. Um, but, you know, it was not only Sadie. It was also um, uh, Victoria Urbanchik. Um, you know, those two uh, really posed a challenge for, for Calhoun's blockers. At, um, and I talked to, uh, to uh, you know, Calhoun head coach uh, Buzek after the game. And she had said that they had been preparing for for them all week uh, during practice, but you know once you go up uh, against you know two hitters like that, it's kind of kind of hard to slow them down throughout the entire match. So, you know, unfortunate for Calhoun that they ended up losing that game. But um, you know, overall, it was a good season. Uh, you know, earlier earlier on in the season, they were ranked number two in the uh, in the state rankings, and you know this is the first time to the that they went to the regional quarterfinals since uh, 2011. So you know it was a it was a tough way to lose to a good Pleasanton team. Um, I mean, they were Pleasanton was 42 and two entering the game, so you know uh, obviously it was going to be a tough match. But you know, overall for this season, you know Calhoun Sandys they uh, 
they had a, a very you know memorable season. I'm, and I'm sure uh, you know Coach Buzek and all of the girls are you know proud of what of what they were able to accomplish. Yeah, so that's that kind of wraps it up for volleyball. Aside from Goliad, Yoakum, and Schulenberg making it to the regional tournament, we'll have coverage. Uh, we'll we'll see how those games play out, and hopefully, we're covering someone on on Saturday. That that's always a good thing in, in terms of for our area teams. Now it's time to go go and briefly touch on the games that we covered last week, which yes, last week felt like. Everything was all over the place. Rain was coming in. We had games getting moved up a day, games getting moved up a few hours. Mike, you had a couple of games. You went to Quero and Bay City. Uh, those two games, Thursday and Friday, respectively. Jeremiah, you and I each covered the battle for the boot, east and west. But first, I want to talk to Mike about Quero. They knock off LaGrange. They win the district championship, you know, kind of kind of fitting for 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 the gobblers to lock everything up get the get the one seed and enter playoffs where they'll play Salado later this week just what what was the feel after Quero? was it just kind of a hey we we accomplished the first check mark or or what was what was going through Quero's mind after after beating lagrange uh, I think you put it pretty correctly. You know, the first, they checked off the first, first box by winning the district title. They expected to do that. Uh, they had kind of a sluggish first half. They were actually tied at seven, but then they blew the game open with their running attack in the second half. Um, Quero is uh, a good team, but it's going to have an extremely tough road. Yeah, the first round is Salado which is a winnable game. But after that, from then on, every game will be a challenge. The Gobblers are going to have to play well to make a run. So um, I think that's how, you know, we had some surprises too. I mean, uh, I think we talked about the biggest one, I think, and had the biggest impact was uh, Yoakum knocking off Hallettsville. Um, That knocked uh, Hallettsville down to the number four seed. Moved Yoakum to the three seed, put Hitchcock back at number one and Columbus back at number two. Now, what that means for Houtsville is all of a sudden now they're looking at Franklin, the number one team in the state. And uh, obviously that's a tall task. I'm sure Tommy is preparing the Brahmas for that, Tommy Pensick. But uh, obviously that those things have consequences. And, of course, we, as we learned, uh, Gonzalez learned, uh, they lost to Giddings. They're out of the playoffs, so uh, you can't take anything for granted, as we saw. And, of course, uh, on Friday night, uh, I went to Bay City, uh, had a little power failure down there. It happened during the day, actually. They didn't get the lights to come on until about 7 o'clock, so they had to delay the game a little bit. But they were able to play, and they uh, they clinched a, a playoff berth and ended a drought Uh Good job down there by Robert Jones, who's trying to bring the tradition back to Bay City. So uh, now we turn around, and Sam, we're in the playoffs. Uh, as we spoke about this, 23 games this week, uh, 13 on Friday, 10 on Thursday. And uh, that's something to talk about. Maybe we should discuss, uh, as you know, with uh, East and West, uh, the third and fourth place teams go on the road 
first and second place teams uh, have home field, but that is just for 6A and 5A. The lower classifications do not have that. The superintendents have not voted for it. And uh, I do not know why, because uh, I am very much for that, because for a number of reasons. One is it will reward the district champion. You know, they get the home field for the first round, top seed. And two is it eliminates the need to scramble to find a field, which, as we all know, is not easy. So um, I, I would hope that the superintendents would see fit to vote for that in the future. Before we get on to the playoffs, we got to talk about the battle for the boot. I mean, this this and man, it it, it was almost it almost turned into a barn burner. But Zorian Barfield tackled Thomas Vargas at the two-yard line as time expired in the first half to preserve a 14-7 lead for the Warriors, who went out and scored 16 un- unanswered points to open up the to open up the second half and eventually win 33 to 23, winning the boot for a third straight year. I mean, I know we've talked about what's happened over the last couple or over the last couple days for West, but this was a great thing for them because you never want you never want to go into into playoffs with a loss. You never do. But West just they looked the part of a of a good team in that in that win just because they were able to spread the ball. They were able to get their offense going. Kamari Montgomery, another one hundred yard rushing game. I think that's I think that's four for him now and and all and three of those four have come in the last three weeks. But senior DeAndre Fillmore, he was named game MVP, seven catches, hundred and sixty one yards, two touchdowns. He totaled three touchdowns with a fumble recovery and an interception on defense. He also had twenty seven yards rushing. West West was they struggled to stop the run of East, but they were able to get the stops when they needed and you know, for West, it was they were very excited. They were very, very happy about it. Obviously, you always want to win the rivalry game. But Jeremiah, for East, though, losing that game and, and falling for a third straight time, you know, that that taste has got to be getting pretty bitter for, for East. What was just what was the message from the East East side after that loss? I think, you know, obviously, you know, East uh, head coach Roland Gonzalez and, you know, all, all of the players, including, uh, you know, quarterback Jaden Williams, they were all disappointed that, you know, they lost for the third uh, consecutive year, the the uh, battle for the boot. But, I mean, you look at the, the game early on, they had chances. I know uh, it was like, what, 7-7, and then that punt block happened with like 18 seconds left in the in the first half, and then, you know, West went on to score. Um, and then, you know, like Sam said, in the second half, they came out with 16 unanswered points. So I think you know it was just it was just kind of mistakes and you know uh, they had a hundred yards and penalties um, that that kind of kind of hurt them throughout the entire game. Um, you know they did make a little bit of a, a run towards the end of the game, uh, scoring 16 straight points. So, you know started off by a a safety um, from from West, but you know I think it it just came too late and you know the the mistakes early on kind of piled up um, and it, it didn't give an, give them enough time to you know, be able to have that full game that they like to play, you know, with uh, Jaden Williams, uh, you know, 
getting the ball out to his receivers. And, you know, obviously he had a, a good running game, over 150 yards rushing. But I think, you know, overall it, it was just a a game that, that they would like to have back. But, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're going to the playoffs, so they're kind of trying to move on to that. I know we'll get into it in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, obviously tough loss for, for East to you know, lose that third straight battle for the boot. But, um, you know, there, there's definitely some things that they can, can take away from this game, you know, moving forward. With the win, that sets up a matchup for Victoria West on the road at San Antonio Southwest, 7 o'clock on Friday. For East, they're going to go to San Antonio Southside, also a 7 o'clock kickoff on Friday. Now's a good time to start bringing up previews for this week. We've got some we've got some Thursday games. Mike, you and I are going to cover uh, two state contenders, uh, the defending state champ, Shiner, they open up their quest for a third straight Class 2A Division One state title on Thursday in Odom at 7 p.m. against San Maria. And Refugio is in Mathis, also a 7 o'clock kickoff to face Ben Bolt. Both of these are winnable games, but I think what we're looking for from these games is can they go out there and play the disciplined football that that they're expected to in these games that are winnable and, well, frankly, should probably be lopsided. I mean, I know for Shiner that's going to be the thing that head coach Daniel Bedeker wants to do, and and for Refurio, the same thing from from head coach Jason Herring. Mike, is that kind of what we're looking at, just wanting to see that disciplined play from the Bobcats and the Comanches? Yes, I'm sure that's what it is. That and staying healthy. You want to stay healthy in these games. Uh, you know, uh, if these games go the way they have in the past, uh, you're probably going to see the starters maybe in for a couple of series in the third quarter, and then they'll start emptying the bench, which is a good thing because uh, it gets a lot of your younger kids some experience, playoff experience. That's why, uh, and that's how you help build a program. But, uh, yeah, I would say that uh, we'd, you know, uh, first round, you, you never really know because you've got a lot of these one and four matchups where, uh, let's face it, some of these fourth place teams in some of these districts just aren't very good. And uh, that's where you have a lot of lopsided games. After this week, it usually levels out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right on, right on target with that with Refurio and Shiner. Um, and uh, s- some other games, too, like you, for instance, I mentioned Bay City and El Campo. They go up against Houston ISD opponents, and they should both take care of business. But the thing is, for them, their second-round game, uh, El Campo can end up playing Kilgore or Little Cypress Mauriceville, which is the team that took them out last year. And Bay City is probably looking, if, if Bay City wins, at Tyler Chapel Hill. So, I mean, you know, the you want to play well because you're, the competition does not get any easier. So you want to get some momentum going and keep going. Like, uh, you know, another intriguing matchup is Yoakum and uh, Cameron Yo. It's a rematch of a game earlier this season. Yo handled Yoakum pretty well in that, but uh, that was back when Yoakum was dealing with some injuries. So I'm sure, you know, I know uh, teams never like to play each other twice. It's uh, it's difficult. 
And uh, I'm sure uh, Bo Robinson has an idea now of what, you know, Yo can do and did in that first game. But on the same token, Rick Rhodes up at Cameron knows, you know, what Yoakum can do. So it'd be interesting. And um, there's one other game I want to point out. Uh, Ty Haven and Clifton. Uh, this is the 55th anniversary of Ty Haven State Championship um, team. And the interesting thing is in that championship game was played in San Marcos. Uh, it was Ty Haven and Clifton. Ty Haven won that game seven to six. And now remember, we're talking 1967. So they weren't scoring, you know, 80 points back then. But uh, the, it's kind of cool because some of the players from both of those teams will be at that game, which, it, which is at Bastrop Memorial Stadium. And they're going to serve as honorary co-captains. And I think that's a neat thing, you know. Because who would have thought 55 years later, here we are again. It's not the final, obviously, but uh, it's still kind of a neat deal that, that you go in the playoffs and uh, start like this. Yeah, going back to Bay City and El Campo, hey, maybe we should uh, ask Jack and, and all of them up at, up at Tyler and Longview, our, our sister papers, if if they need any help covering those or whatever. They, we, we could have that. That that could get me on a rant about UIL realignment, but we don't have the time for that. We're already running long, but that, that, that certainly is interesting because, uh, well, little Cypress Mauriceville, uh, P, uh, their coach PV, he was, he was actually my seventh grade coach. And I saw him uh, a couple of years ago at, at coaching school and it was just kind of cool. And then, uh, Jeff Reardon's up at Tyler Chapel Hill. He, he came into Crosby, my, my alma mater right after I, had finished my playing time. Now let's dive into East and let's dive into. Well, Mike, you're holding you're holding up your fingers. There was one thing I wanted to mention about last week that I I am sure you would be interested in, and that is the field goal made by Nick Angerstein from Sacred Heart. And you being a kicker, I'm sure that was incredible. He won the game on the last play was 52 yard field goal, yeah. and that is impressive. And uh, I didn't know this, but I got an email from Sacred Heart. Apparently, he was roughed on that kick and still made it. So uh, pretty incredible. I know from your perspective as a kicker, you can understand what that must be like. Yeah, I, I mean, anyone who knows me knows my nickname is the Fat Punter. And let me tell you, roughing calls were few and far between for me. It's kind of hard to do that when you're, playing, when you're a punter and you're anywhere between 245 and 260. In your heyday. But now time to get to East and West. And, and we're going to get to East, but we've talked about it. This is going to be so tough for, for West. I mean, even, you know, I mean, I, I'm a journalist. I'm I'm unbiased. But, you know, we build these relationships with these coaches, and we never want to see anyone go through anything bad. We, we, we certainly want the success for the kids, but – you know, when, when going through something like this, even for me, it's kind of tough. I mean, I talked to you about it writing my advance. It's just kind of, it just felt weird because you have to, this, the story going into this game is West is going to play with uh, seemingly a cloud over its head because it's, it's tough to get that to go away. It's just a matter of putting your blinders on and getting, going out and getting the job done, staying focused, circle the wagons getting and go out there and play ball. That's going to be tough to do uh, with 
with the death of Diego Martinez. But they're going to take on San Antonio Southwest. And this is a Southwest team that loves to run the ball. And we've seen West uh, have its struggles to run, uh, to stop the run. East was able to, to do a great job running the ball with Ja'Carri and Giles against West's defense. Miller, of course, I mean, but I I try to take out Miller because Miller is so incredibly athletic and and certainly above average in that aspect. But that's where West has struggled. Glenn, uh, which ran a Leander Glenn, which ran a triple option offense, they were able to gash West. Uh, you look at Davenport; they ran the ball really well. They were able to beat West. Uh, Carroll can run the ball. Moody could run the ball, and they they all gave West fits. So that's certainly going to be once they step out onto the field. That's that's going to be the biggest thing, and I don't really want to touch on it because it's it's so tough to to focus on anything but um but the condolences and and the tragedy that West is enduring right now, and we want to continue to send out our thoughts, our, our prayers, our well wishes to the Martinez family, the entire, the entire West high school student body, the staff, the, the teachers, everybody. It's just, it, it's just a tough situation, but that's what West is facing this week. And, and certainly it's going to be hard to find anyone uh, outside of Southwest that's rooting against West this week after all they've had to endure. East, they're going to have to face Southside. And Southside's having a historic year, Jeremiah. And this Southside offense can can light it up if they want to. East is going to have its hands full to to try and stop this offense. But but we've seen East step up in big moments. What What's East going to have to do? What have they said heading into this matchup? I think for East, you know, this week, their, their defensive line is going to have to really step up because you – um, you know, you look at this Southside Cardinals team, and they they love to run the ball. I think it's like probably about 80 percent run. You know, twenty percent pass. Um, so you know, they love to run the ball. I think East defensive line is definitely going to have to step up. Um, but Southside, they're going to be coming off of three weeks, uh, three week break because you know their bye week came uh, two weeks ago, and then last week they uh, their opponent forfeited the, their, the game, so they haven't played in three weeks. So I think if if East is going to Gonna gonna be able to you know have a chance in this game. They're gonna have to come out hot. Um, maybe maybe catch Southside you know a little bit slow you know entering the game. Um, so yeah, I, I think this this game for for East is really gonna rely uh, on their defensive line trying to slow down the running game. Um, and you know obviously the offense. You know Jacarian Jowes he's gonna have to, to you know get going in in East's running game. But I think you know what I, what I'm kind of looking for is you know this this game is that you know East. Um, you know, defensive line and obviously, you know, the defensive backs, they're going to have to step up and try to slow down uh, Southside. Mike, I think you can you can attest to this. One of the best ways to get the upper hand on a team is is to go out and punch them in the mouth in the playoffs because everyone's got that excitement. And if you're able to land that blow early, that you can get all the momentum. And that's what Cuero's going to look to do against Salado. I mean, the high-powered defense and this high-powered offense for for Cuero going to go up against uh, Soledo Friday, 7 o'clock at Buda's Shelton Stadium. Mike and our good friend Howard Essie, they're going to make that trip to go cover the Gobblers. Mike, how important is it for for Cuero? Much like we talked about with Refugio and Shiner, how important is it for Cuero to 
start on the right foot and and play play the game right. I think Cuero is still a team that still in in a way, and this sounds strange after ten games, but it's still developing. Uh, with uh, Coach Jared Fikach coming in there his first year, putting in a new offense, uh, they're still adding things as they go along. And the more proficient they get in what they run, the better off they are and they can add things, and it's going to help them down the line. The defense just needs to continue the steady course it's been there. They have two outstanding linebackers. There's no diff- no doubt about that when you talk about uh, Sean Burks and Brant Patek. Those two guys, I mean, they're a force. And, uh, you know, yeah, I really wish somebody – now, Brant's not – I believe Brant's an underclassman, but Sean Burks is available. And I know he's not the tallest guy in the world, but, boy, that guy can hit. And he can move, and he is smart. And, really, he needs to play somewhere. And he wants to play somewhere. That's important, too. So I think that's what Quero's looking for is just continued improvement because, as I said earlier, their road is going to be extremely difficult. You said it. We've got 23 games this week. In in the area, and we could potentially even have Saturday coverage with regional volleyball. It's been a busy, busy week all around on the high school sports front. That'll wrap it up for us here on episode 12 of The Grid. Make sure to like, follow, and share this podcast so you never miss an episode and you stay up to date with the most in-depth and the best sports coverage in the Crossroads region. We also want to hear from you. Make sure to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or through email. You can reach us on Facebook either through the Victoria Advocate Facebook page or the Advosports Facebook page. Twitter, our handle is at Advosports, and the email is sports at vicad.com. For Mike and Jeremiah, I'm Sam Fowler. We'll see you next week. This is The Grid, presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction. LLC.